God. Give us such an awareness of our true selves that we might know how to be the servants of others. Take our minds and think through them, our hands and work with them, and fill our hearts with your abiding love. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Herman Hess, in his book, Journey to the East, tells the story of a band of men on a journey. The central figure of the story is Leo, who is servant to the travelers. He does their menial chores and also sustains them with his song. He is a person of extraordinary presence. All goes well until he leaves. The group then falls into disarray, and the journey is abandoned. They are somehow unable to make it without their servant. The narrator, who is one of the group, after some years of wandering, finds Leo again, and is taken into the religious order that had originally sponsored the journey. There he discovers that Leo, whom he had first known as a servant, was the head of the order and the guiding spirit. For Jesus and for us, let's go back a bit. <laughs> what Hesse is saying in story form is that the great leader must be seen as a servant first. That simple fact is the key to his or her greatness. The great hymn in Philippians reveals this as a truth about the very nature of Christ and his mission. Though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking on the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. He humbled himself, being found in human form, he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now for Jesus and for us, self-emptying precedes the exaltation as in his life descent into the nether regions preceded ascension into the heavens. This is the imagery of a servant leader. It is not an idealistic cliché of power. It represents its very shape and form. Servant and leader are one in Scripture. And this is an operating principle for all who would seek the mind of Christ. Leadership is always a function of servanthood. Even in the great medieval ecclesiastical hierarchies, this was intended. Every ordained leader began as a deacon, a servant, and stays a servant. Everyone ordained was to remain a deacon 
This first ordination was to be the fundamental of every succeeding progression from priest to pope, and it was to remain each office's internal core. In the second chapter of Philippians, the name above every name is not confessed until every head and knee bow to the canonic self-emptying action of Jesus' death. This is the source of creative power that transforms and unites all things with true destiny. Every organization, including the church, needs power people. We need movers and shakers, people who are able to transfer sacred energy into the life of the community. The problem is that our attitudes about power are often ambiguous. Some see power as inherently evil, or at least unspiritual. At the same time, we in, all, in some secret way desire power. Unfortunately, most of us don't think very much about the nature of power itself. If we continue to overlook positive power and remain captive to negative and destructive concepts of power, our leadership crisis will just deepen. The irony is that so many of us continue to hold concepts of destructive power at the level of our unexamined assumptions, even as we consciously articulate positive notions of servanthood and mission. At the core is a misapprehension that power is really finite and therefore must be the object of contention. Grab onto it. Possession, protection at all costs. This is often at the core of domestic violence and intimate partner abuse. This kind of egoic power produces behavior patterns characterized by I win, you lose. Strong feelings of status and prestige. A need to be in control and dominate. A need to make others submissive and dependent. A tendency to treat others like pawns without recognizing their inherent dignity. In the Iona community, before the world began, there is another vision of power, this wonderful hymn. Before the world began, one word was there. Grounded in God, he was rooted in care. By him all things were made. In him was love displayed. Through him, God spoke and said, I am for you. This is a power that is not a finite quality to be possessed and hoarded. It is a universal reality that increases as it is given away. It is God's power with us, God's power for us, God's powerful love in us. It is power exercised by people with and for the benefit of others. 
It honors the dignity of every human being. It enables their healing, their becoming, their ascension as lovers of God and neighbor. It is this love that charismatically inspires others to action. It creates confidence and trust, makes people feel like creators, not pawns. I'm sure you've known people like that. I have been so fortunate in my life to know great people, women and men, who have been servants and visionaries. They gave their love away and it multiplied. Leaders and followers always share the same search for love's energy transfer. We are all pilgrims of the one God who found in human form shows us the way of salvation. Christ, as servant, does not choose the way of coercion, domination, or manipulation. Christ rather chooses challenge, self-sacrifice, and invitation. Well, what then is the greatest enemy to our movement towards servanthood and becoming a servant community? Well, the enemy is not evil people, not stupid people, or apathetic people, not the system, not the protesters, the disruptors, the disruptors, the revolutionaries, or the reactionaries. To have fewer, fewer evil, stupid, or apathetic people, and to have a better system would make things much more easy. But the real enemy is discerning thinking on the part of good, intelligent, vital people and their failure to be or to follow leaders who are true servants. In short, the enemies are strong, natural servants, many of whom have the potential to lead but do not lead who settles for less and champions the mediocre, who choose to follow shepherds whose objective is to exploit and corruption. The convictions of prominent church leaders for child pornography brings to mind this seeming legion of sexual abuse cases involving clerical shepherds in the church. This corruption, this corrupt responsibility, compassionate service, sweeps away the bedrock of that that enables leaders to see and to serve. You see, the, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. <coughs> the image there is that at the gate, of the sheepfold, he places his body across the gap. The shepherd literally places his body across the entrance of the sheepfold. His very body was a barrier between the sheep and the dark outer valley of predators. His body was also their open gate to the green pastures of abundant life beyond the fold. 
Jesus' power is based on his radical self-emptying of anything he desired for disintegrated power or control. He followed a path greater than carrying solidarity with the oppressed and marginalized. And so he is one with those who are weak and who are looking for hope. At his core burned a radical love born of a mystical union with all human beings in whose likeness and form it is found. Now let's come in for a landing, as Herbie would say. In Dorothy Sayers' classic radio play that has Jesus arriving at the appointed place where he would find his mount to ride into Jerusalem. First, they offered him a great black steed that a conqueror would ride in triumphal procession, followed by his armies of conquered slaves. They also offered him a humble donkey which he chose, thereby transforming the concept of what, who, a righteous leader or person should be. He was offering the world a new model that would be sealed by his blood on Calvary's cross. Then, my friends, let every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, who yielded the glory that of right was his, so that in our darkened hearts God's servant power might, be, might shine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God.